the Paradinks. And yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jake. I'm Chantel. And it feels like it's time for a good reintroduction on episode 57. So that's who we are. Yeah, you know, all the other podcasts I listen to, they have uh, um usual opening that they do. Like a scripted? Scripted, like. Uh, I've been listening to serial killers right now mm-hmm. and they say the same things all the time. Does that ever make you kind of tune out? From I the skip podcast? through it. Uh-huh. I skip through until it gets to this. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, there's, um, I don't want to like shit on it cause it's a good podcast. It's just like, if you've been listening to it, for a while or back to back, it's like, okay, I already know who this person is. You don't have to always say, cause the one person, um, they always say this, uh, so-and-so is not a licensed psychologist, but she has done a lot of research for this show every episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, just put that in the fucking show notes. God, <laughs> why do you have to say it every time? It just gets annoying after a while. Because they don't say that at the very beginning. They plug that in when she starts analyzing and explaining. Like every time she says something or just the, but the first time When she time starts she going talks. into the psychological um, reasoning for serial killers. Yeah. Like that, per, per, um, that certain serial killer at the time. Yeah. And I guess my question is more if she does that multiple times in an episode do they put oh that no they do that one time the in time in the episode but it's yeah. in every single episode yeah <laughs> it's um yeah it's an interesting thing to me like working i guess coming from a background having worked in heavily scripted narrative content there's something so refreshing about finding something that's just completely unscripted yeah. And just listening to people and letting people talk and just explain themselves and their thoughts and not trying to treat every single opinion that someone puts in the world as an expert opinion. You know? Sorry, I just had a thought. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was just thinking, so um, <clears throat> that uh, there, there's another podcast, Crime Junkies, and the way that they start it is, hi, I'm Ashley Flowers and I'm Britt. And today we have for you a blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's good enough. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She says, hi, crime junkies. I'm Ashley Flowers. And I'm like, we could start calling people dinks. <laughs> hey, dinks. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. I'm Chantel and I'm Jake. Thanks, And dink today fam. we have, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Hello, dinks. How do you like that? Yeah. <laughs> it's not supposed to be offensive because we're dinks. Totally. <laughs> I think we're moving past the age of offense. Who said that? I'm saying that. To who? Anyone and everyone. Okay. I just feel like that's what's culturally happening. Is it? Mm-hmm. Where are you seeing that? All over the news. Huh? Yeah. People aren't getting offended anymore? No. I. It's There's people who are offended, but I think... There is a mounting um, resistance to tolerating and placating people's offense. Where it's like, that's great. Be offended. 
I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing anyway, you know, because people are tired of, um, you know, being polite and trying to understand somebody. But it's, uh, I think my own personal take on a lot of cultural happenings have felt like that story, if you give a mouse a cookie, where people have gotten one thing that they wanted and they keep moving and moving, but it's not like, um, but not doing it with an understanding of what other people are also needing to do. You know, like I gave you that example the other day of our uh, deputy prime minister, Christia Freeland, Mm-hmm. talking in Prince yeah. Edward Island yeah. and bragging to people how she lives in Toronto and can take a subway. So why can't you do that? <laughs> you know, like where it's like this, these are completely different areas. And so I think yeah. people are finally just sort of getting fed up with that. Where they're like, okay, we've understood what you are proposing and what you want people to move toward. But can you understand that also things take time? And not everybody lives the same way. Like you can live a different life in a city than out in the country. Still talking about offending people now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're losing me. I don't. I. I just. I think people are seeing that there's a disconnect because I think when we um feel offended by something, it also points out. It, it points more inward to us Absolutely. that there's something about us that yeah. we don't like that someone else's words have touched upon. So it really has nothing to do with what that other person is doing. It just reminds us of something about ourselves that we don't like or that we want to change about ourselves. And so I think that people are just kind of realizing that, right? It's like, okay, that person's offended. But really, it has nothing to do with me. They got something going on inside of them. I don't have to placate to this anymore. Just keep doing what I'm doing. Like, smile, say, have a nice day. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, I'm pretty thankful for, I guess, the people in my life where... For the most part, at least the people that I regularly talk to, I don't feel like I'll ever offend anybody. I feel like I can talk honestly and we can have debates and conversation disagreements. Yeah. Well, you can offend them, but they won't disown you or trash talk you. Like you can have disagreements. You can have conflicting opinions. I've offended in any way. I would hope that those people would say something, but it it would have been, wouldn't have been on purpose. And there's that understanding that that wasn't your intention. To upset them or to attack them with anything. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. I said something that obviously means something different to you. Mm -hmm. Didn't mean it that way. Anyhow, big disclaimer. Nothing like happened personally. This is just Jake's been in the news a lot lately. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm commenting from a just a big like national or international, I guess like U.S. and Canada culture. Just feeling like there is a shift that's happening. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, and okay, I'll say I've I've gone down a bit more of a news and politics rabbit hole with um 
with the Trudeau's separation. Is this time for me to just... put my earplug in? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just explaining to people yeah. why this episode maybe feels more cultural political? and political. Because so... I've just been really indulging that curiosity and interest because it I'm I'm fascinated by big times of change within cultures and like what makes things change. You know, like I remember around Vancouver when everyone was so mad with Stephen Harper at the end and like every stop sign you would roll up to in Vancouver had a little, you know, there's the big stop and then people would put a little sticker on it that said Harper at the bottom. So mm-hmm. every stop sign was stop Harper mm-hmm. like all around Vancouver and they made me chuckle. Um, And it's funny to now, you know, then well, Trudeau now it's came fuck in. Trudeau. Now yeah. they're not even like being <laughs> that nice to say stop Trudeau. It's no, it's fuck him. But remember when he came in and there was like the big fanfare and it's like, oh, my God, this, you know, beautiful, young, amazing, progressive person only who's going to change weed. the whole country. And oh, then yeah, that was it's... only for the weed. Totally. And then, yeah, you know, fast forward 10 years and you're like, oh, he's the same shitbag politician that they all are like Iran is merged into the ground (laughs) (laughs) I'm just I'm fascinated by these cycles I guess because I think throughout human history they haven't changed it doesn't matter what kind of governance we've had it doesn't matter what language people speak what religion there is like there is this cycle of there's a leader they get into power they become corrupted by the power the people hate them and it's this big angry mess and like the only thing that changes maybe is how long that person's in power. But yeah, we're never going to like the person that's in power. Yeah. Like Although, even when Obama was in power, mm-hmm. the most liked of anybody totally. in power still couldn't make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. And I also find it fascinating that maybe maybe this is my U.S. upbringing, like rural U.S. upbringing uh that gives me this attitude that i don't always understand why people go to the government to solve problems maybe because they control everything (laughs) like what give me an example well to me it's just that is you giving them the control you know because your inability to solve the problem on your own my question is what's the problem what can it what can you do legally Depending on the thing, like, I mean, are could, we, do we have our hands tied in a way with certain things? This is why I need to know an example. Uh, I guess certain things because of historical context, maybe. But at the same point, I imagine, like, if you start a country and there are no rules on the books, you just have your, like, constitution and a couple basic agreements about what the country is over time because everybody goes to the government and says hey you need to do something about this you need to do something about this suddenly that government now has control over things because people have given the government control let's make our own country (laughs) we'll call it dinkland (laughs) (laughs) and all our fellow dinks are welcome just so you know that means no kids (laughs) (laughs) So sorry. Adults only. Adults only, it's, Dinkland. It's like that Pinocchio Island, but no kids. What oh, was that Pleasure place? Island. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, oh no. Okay. Sorry. That sounds that really epstein I'm not. No. Yes. I'm not into it now. But if you think about it in Pinocchio-wise, it's, it's Bad be- idea. beer and pool. Man, that sounds like just a 50s gentleman's club. It basically is. Have you seen Pinocchio? It's been a yeah, long we time. Watched, no, but we watched that live that live one. The new... the Yeah. Did we finish it, though? Yeah. Oh. Okay, well, well I don't remember the ending, then. I know, because we watched too many things. You can't remember well, I didn't really enjoy that one. Um, I liked it because of jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt played um, Jiminy Cricket's voice, and I was so proud of him because he did such a great job it was the dis the new disney one not not the uh, um yeah what, sorry. guillermo del toro one i was thinking of guillermo's yeah no he's with a, uh he's got like a stop, Kenobi. stop motion Ewan Ewan McGregor. McGregor, yeah yeah, yeah but God, no so i think joseph I... <laughs> gordon levitt did a better job just because he like threw the, his voice for it he did the jimmy cricket voice Ewan mcgregor just did more like a ewan yeah he was very ewan he was so Ewan. It's a fun name. Ewan. Ewan. Ew, Ewan. Ewan. <laughs> hey, Ewan. So sorry. Such a cool name. <laughs> that is a funny name. Yep. But anyways. But anyways yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, I don't know. That felt like a long tangent. And if if you're still listening, I thank you. Because I don't enjoy talking publicly about politics, but I do enjoy observing and discussing culture and social um, phenomenon within people because I find it so fascinating. Social phenomenon. I like that. Yeah. Like I remember growing up, my dad had this saying how like you can one-on-one sit down with anybody across the country, have a beer, have a talk and get along fine. But then somehow when that turns into politics and like you know the the voting and like the the senates and blah 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 is like it gets messy and gross like and weird but yeah but like one-on-one you could still sit down with anybody who has completely different views from you and you can be fine like there's something about that one-on-one interaction with people where we can we can have completely opposing views on everything about life but we can still have a good interaction but the minute I am designated to represent a group of people and I have to meet the other designated person, like it just gets gross and nasty and name collie and personal. And I'm like, well, this is so it's, weird. It's like um, it's that follow, follow, mm-hmm. follower mentality. Yeah. In a yeah. way. And I try to wonder, too, like because I have zero political ambition in my life like to me that that job is like the worst job in the world Mm -hmm. like you're just being shit on by people constantly and you have to pretend to be okay and you probably have to do a bunch of shit you don't want to do because you need money to stay in your job like it's just the whole idea of that job and that work seems like the devil's work. I don't know. You <laughs> like, know what? It's just weird. I and so I'm I'm just fascinated politics. by who would want to do any of that because narcissist. Maybe <laughs> that's I a strong politics. It's a strong contender. I I don't I don't I 
watched Obama's inauguration, I uh look, I tried to understand. I don't understand politics. I can't get on board. It's too much. It's too it's too annoying. And also, I have to thank you for allowing me to not like it or like letting me feel how I feel about it because with my my ex and I'm sorry to bring this up, but it is a soft spot. It would get mad at me because I didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I didn't care to know. Yeah. And I'm sorry, not sorry. I don't care. I fucking don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. There are people out there that are going to be like, you should care. It's your life. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I will. I still go vote sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean... I under like I, I I won't say I understand politics. I try to follow it. Um more so because I'm always concerned and nervous about my um health. Uh, well, health and <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yes, health <laughs> and ability to just move and do things. Mm. You know, like so much of my concern for um like keeping my life legally up to par or whatever like you know you need a passport to do this or whatever i'm like okay go get the passport because i just if i ever have to interact with a bureaucrat or a you know like police or border or anything i want that interaction to be as short as possible and with minimal word exchange i'm like yeah. i really don't want to talk to you i don't want to spend my time with you and so if all you need is for me to have all of my stuff in order. And if you look at my passport and you ask me a question and I answer it correctly and you say, have a good day. I'm like, fuck, that's perfect. That's all I want. It's like, like being what's your pulled name? over. Jake, what are you doing? Going home. License and registration. Here it is. It's up to date. It's all good. Like, you know, I know these things are in order. So that cop looks at it and he's like, yep. Okay. Like, and off you go. Like, that to me is perfect. The only thing more perfect than that would be if I never had to talk to them. <laughs> you know? Like I know. I hate it. I hate it. And I'm not afraid of them. I just it makes me feel like I'm back in fucking middle school. Yeah. Child. You know, I'm like, we all live on this same fucking planet. Mm-hmm. Like what what gives you a right to question me and what I'm doing when I'm just going about my life? You know, there's a difference if I'm doing something shady and you come over and you're like, hey, why are you drunk at 3 a.m. in the park here? You know, like, okay, <laughs> fair question. Like, <laughs> good question, officer. I don't know either. I need some help. But, like, <laughs> you know, if I'm literally just driving from my parents' house back home, happening to cross from the U.S. to Canada, like, I don't know. Like, even countries to me are just weird boundaries. Like all of it, I find so bizarre. But again, I'll play the game if that means I can have a super small interaction with these people. Yeah. Because I'm like, I just, I don't want anything to do with you. You know what I love about my job? Mm-hmm. A lot of things, but I really don't have to talk to that many people. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It beats Keep it that way. <laughs> an office job. For sure. Yeah, because the same thing happens in offices, eh? Oh, my God. Jake, it's like 
It's a melting pot. Yeah. Of misery. <laughs> but yeah, at one of my office jobs, it was actually, yeah, there's, there's like a club. Mm-hmm. So one of the jobs, um, it was like, we, we, everybody would joke about it too. Boys club. Yeah. It's a boys club. And even though this woman was hot, well, um, not hired, she was already there, but, um, promoted, promoted air quotes to Ooh. being like a sales manager air quotes. She wasn't given that title. She was just given the duties and, and oh, not the I raise. See. Yeah. Not the raise, not the title, but she got the duties. And everybody comes to her for everything. Yet, she, like she's excluded. Mm-hmm. Also not given the right amount of pay, not given that title, not given recognition for all that she does. Yeah. Um, and just so many other things. Like I, I just, I spent eight plus eight, nine-ish years in offices. Yeah. I feel bad for everybody that works in an office, even from home office. Yeah. You're still working office jobs. the same culture and politics. It sucks. Yeah. People are, you're really just, you're absolutely nothing. It doesn't matter if you do a good job. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you, if you slip up, like, bye. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is hearing you explain it that way, um, Sounds very similar to my props work, which didn't entirely feel that way until I got into the union prop work. That's when it started to get weirder hmm. because there's and and this is my general theory is that when when you have like a. Um, like set of rules built into how you're supposed to operate. You know, like the union had terms about this is how production should work. This is how your pay scales and breaks and everything work. Like it's all laid out in these very nice little blocks that sound very orgasmic to any lawyer, but are not at all realistic for how the world works and how people work and how creatives work or Maybe they're designed in a way to, um, like, guilt trip creatives into doing more for less. You know, there's something to me about the way the world is set up and the way our cultures are set up right now where we kind of hold people's survival over their heads. You know, like, I, I think of how many times do we threaten people to be fired and like, you're going to lose everything and like, you don't have any savings. And so you have to do whatever I say to keep your job because otherwise like you're fucked. Mm -hmm. And like, how fucked up is that? Yeah. And like, also if I'm that replaceable, why don't you just fire me then? You know, like that's, what I've kind of loved about a lot of this counterculture movement of people like quiet quitting and yeah, or even just straight quitting because they're like calling that bluff in a way. Well, I think it's it, not true. Well, you know, like we're not that replaceable, I, th- I th- especially at scale. Like if you piss off enough people, 
you're not that replaceable. Well, I think also there like are some people that are just really good at their jobs mm-hmm. and it's it's um damning for the business for you to get rid of that person um and bring in somebody that's just not as good. Mm-hmm. And but I think what keeps people around for a little bit is um nobody wants to pay severance because you're trying to find a reason to, to fire somebody, but you have no good reason. Yeah. I guess I never had that in my jobs. Well, I... We were day hires, so there was no severance. Yeah. No, but. I... Uh, yeah, I know. I, um, I quit that uh, boys club job and uh, I gave my two weeks and they let me go in after one week because I had sent an email to somebody and they didn't like the way the email was, although I was literally repeating something that the owner had said to somebody before. So it was just like, I was just doing my job as normal. I'm not trying to fuck anything up. I actually want to leave on good terms. And they didn't like that. Um, so they let me go, but they, um, and I'm like, you better fucking pay me for my two weeks, blah, 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 blah. Cause I was Mm -hmm. so afraid of not being paid for that extra week. But then I had another office job where I was planning to quit because it fucking sucked. And the whole environment of it all changed when I had gone back there. And, um, I laugh now, but at the time I was so angry because they, um, they weren't listening. Uh, they didn't give me any warning or anything. I knew I was not in a good place. I wasn't happy, but nobody fucking talked to me. Nobody said anything. And then all of a sudden, they, they let me go, but they gave me like a massive severance. Mm-hmm. So I knew that it wasn't about me. Also, the position I was in was so stupid. Like I was doing so much paperwork for a, a position I have had no um, qualifications, mm-hmm. no skills, no, no anything to do. But they put me there because they, they were going to help me. And then I got no help. So I kept asking for help. My manager was completely avoidant and unavailable all the time. And then I started to get frustrated. And then they fired me because uh, who knows what. And I'm mad because I couldn't fight. But I was also like, I'm not a fighter when it comes to jobs. I'm just like, I'd rather just fuck, fucking go. Right. And I got a great severance out of it. I was actually pretty lucky. And that actually is what told me that I did nothing wrong. Totally. They saw no point in having me around anymore. And it worked out because I didn't want to be there anyways. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, it's just led me to better things. Yeah. I guess I was just angry about not being able to end it the way that I wanted to or speaking my like Mm. opinion or my, my voice and telling them it was just, it was so weird too, because two people come my manager and um, manager of the other branch or whatever both came in with a box. I, I wasn't allowed to like, I had to hand everything over. I wasn't allowed to say goodbye. It, it was like being taken away by the police. I know. I was like, you, you sound like you're describing being arrested. It was. It's basically yeah. like that. And yeah. then on the phone, they have HR on speaker. Weird. And I was trying to say something and 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 then the my manager was like, I did say that and I looked at her. I would I was flabbergasted because she had come in and she 
wanted to talk to me, but she's like, oh, you're good. It's all good. So when she had said that, I was like, you fucking liar. But I was so like, also, whoa, taken aback at the same time that I didn't, I just was like, fuck you all pack everything up and go. Yeah. I did so much for them too. I'm so annoyed because I did so much that I didn't know what I was doing, but it was, it was such a, it was a good job though. I'm so happy that it's over though. And I will never, ever, ever, ever go into an office again. Yeah. Cause every single office I've worked in, I've had bad, bad, bad experiences. And it's only been three offices. Mm-hmm. And just the culture and offices are terrible. Nobody's happy. No. The nice thing I know about that too. I'll just say one more thing about that. Cause this is what truly shows that I did nothing wrong. They're fucking up. Two people quit after me. Um, and uh, one of them had been there for like 15 years. Wow. But they had made so many changes and really fucked the whole system up that no, everybody was just actually. And before that, someone had p- quit before me, mm-hmm. quit, fired, fi- they fired someone else. And then two other people quit. Like, it's just, I don't even know if they're around anymore. Yeah. It's mayhem out there. But I'm happy now, just so everybody knows. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah, and you had a great time and you're at Steve's Poke afterwards. Yeah, I worked at a Poke bar for like six months. That was so much fun. I went for a minimum minimum wage job because I knew we were leaving anyways. And I worked with like 15, 16-year-olds. And besides some customers, because customers suck, especially when they're hangry. And mm. they just look at you like you're a server. You're like you're just serving them. You know, you're, you're a servant, basically. It's shocking you, to me how unkind people are to the people who are preparing and serving your food. Why do you look at them any differently? Why, why do you look at anybody who is serving you differently? This person could literally poison you <laughs> and you're going to yell at them. Yeah, I mean, I would hope that most people wouldn't, but I, what I'm just, just saying, it's that easy, you know, like this person is in charge of the thing that you're going like, to be heals ingesting. your body. These, these, these people give you Life. the <laughs> materials for your body to heal itself and you're shitting on them. Yeah. Like that's atrocious. But other than that, it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the people I worked with were awesome. Um, the work too, like I had fun prepping and doing the actual making, creating the bowls. That was fun, but you can make them all pretty and stuff. It was, it was nice. Yeah. It was a huge relief. Like barely had to think about anything, you know? Yeah. And that's, you know, I think your experience is also indicative of what a lot of people are doing, uh, you know, post pandemic in a way. Right. Where they're realizing what they thought was a big, important title and role is actually a nothing job. I think it's the money that gets people staying because I will say that I made more money. And actually, I think it depends on the office, but I, I was making the most money I'd ever made at one of that last office job. And uh, it didn't matter. No, it de- well, it definitely doesn't matter now because you you learn to live 
within your means and better mm-hmm. with less and you're happier not having to deal with that constant stress and then having to take work home. Are you paying me to take fucking work home? No, you're not. You're actually not. So why will I take this home? I, I was required to take my laptop home on weekends just to put like orders into the system. Um, no, I don't work on weekends. Yeah. I don't think so. That's wild. Yeah. You no, know, you don't get paid for it. So yeah. why am I working for I you? It's weird. I don't understand it. Yeah. And I think, uh, well, I would say my experience being brought up through the U.S. public education system, which that sentence is a bit of a joke <laughs> in itself. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. Not bitter or cynical at all here. But um, that that always did seem to be the emphasis was the amount of money that you get paid for what you do. Like that's what people were chasing. That's what everyone wanted the good grades for. That's what everyone was after. Instead of um, like, what are you good at? What do you enjoy? Honestly. What does your community need? Like, well, it was, um, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I'm going to cut you off. (laughs) No, thanks. It's, um, it's so weird because I find myself like inadvertently flipping into that mindset from time to time where I concentrate on the money or the title of something and feeling like, man, is that like, is that worth my time? And then I kind of have to like, I pull myself out of that, slap myself around and go, who the fuck do you think you are? Mm -hmm. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) The money has nothing to do with it. Like, is that the thing you want to do or like, is it something you can solve mm-hmm. or, or do you have skills and knowledge in this area? Can you address this problem? Like, yes or no. And that's all there is to it. The money is kind of irrelevant. Sorry. Can I interrupt at this point? Yeah. The, the, the reason why I'm shaking my head over here when you say that is because it actually doesn't have to do with if you're good at it. Cause I was good at everything that I had done. Mm-hmm. at these jobs, but I still didn't like it. I think you got to do something that you're good at and you like, like most thing more like you got to like what you're doing. For sure. Um, and I don't mean this to say like you have to decide that about whatever your job title is and do that forever. I mean, on a case by case basis, like day to day, whatever someone brings to you, you have to make that decision. Like this isn't a question that you answer at 18 and then you just work away at it until you're fucking 70 and you die. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's every day, every single thing that someone brings to you, you're asking that question of yourself and literally nothing about it has to do with money in terms of your skills and your happiness and like what we consider, or I guess what HR would consider hmm. your job performance. You know, like no job performance has anything to fucking do with money. <laughs> and job performance is <laughs> in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> Seriously. Totally. But I mean, there's also that reality of we set up this system 
where we use money to get the things we need to live. So there's that other reality of, well, if you don't pay me enough money to be able to live, I don't have the time to rest and look after myself and feed myself with nourishing foods that allow me to perform and do the tasks, then yeah, we're running into a problem. You know, I don't mean we should be greedy. It's a weird balance well, we have to find. But I think it's people being asked to do more than they were hired for. Totally. For less. And it happens constantly mm -hmm. at the office. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it happens all over the place too. When oh, yeah. it's, where did we see? We we've talked about this too. It's it's like detrimental to be good at your job. Yeah, especially in our culture. Yeah, because you're expected to do more for less. Yeah, and nobody speaks up about it. Yeah. I love. Oh man, I, w I wish we could find that clip. I I might have. I've sent it to you. I think I sent it to you. I don't know if you can find it now, um, but something about uh, this guy had recorded himself. Um, explaining to HR why his performance had gone down yeah. after being like the top employee. I remember this for two years or whatever in a row, and then he was he said some really intelligent sentence line, whatever about the reason, and it was so awesome. It was so awesome that I wish I had seen that before. Well, I remember the gist of it was that he received no, like there was essentially no compensation from the company for his stellar performance. He wasn't promoted. He wasn't given never, more responsibility. He wasn't raise. given a pay raise. No, he like, was given more responsibility, but no, no raise. Right. Um, so, or something. And, and then I think... Wasn't there something, too, where he looked out in the other markets and he saw what people were doing and getting paid for the roles and the work he was doing? And he just decided, OK, then I'm going to do the amount of work you're paying me to do. Yeah. And then because oh, people who are doing this work out in other jobs are getting paid, you know, 20, 30, 50 percent more than me. So I'm just going to do what you're paying me to do. I'm I'm so that's quiet I, quitting, by the I, way. Sorry. Like, I love it. I, <laughs> I love want to it. throw it out there. I think it's. It's so interesting. It was so interesting because it's like you work hard to be promoted to get a raise when you want it. And and when none of that happens or you're, you're not being acknowledged at all, like you're not you, no one cares about you. Of course, you're going to go to a neutral plane and just do your job. And I think that's what he had said. He's like, so I just come to work and I just do my job and I leave. I don't do anything extra. So now you're saying my performance is terrible because I'm not doing more. Yeah. Excuse you. Yeah. This is why I find red flags with anyone who says I always give 110 percent. I go, you're an idiot. Remember last time when Give I said 60%. I'm never a hundred percent. I am never a hundred percent. Like, don't do that. Like, are you joking? How can anyone ever be a hundred percent? You don't give a hundred percent. Don't. I give a hundred and ten percent. I get Bob back. I love that you're saying that with like a. That that sounds like a stereotypical American U.S. One hundred ten percent, and that's all we got out here. We got nothing other uh, less than one hundred and ten percent. Because if it's not one hundred ten percent, then it's just like I don't know. It sounds like a football or something. Uh, I'm yeah, thinking of a movie. Quarterback I can't after the the post game interview. 
I just went out there and I gave 110%. And fucking yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> dull. So dumb. <laughs> it's um, true. Can we take a break? Yeah. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. And we're back. We are. Thank you. <laughs> um, we don't remember where we left off, but when we <laughs> went on our little break, we were talking about the um, grocery stores here in Canada because grocery prices have been a big point of pain within Canada, like for, you know, $4 for a fucking head of romaine lettuce. A tiny. $16 for a watermelon. <laughs> like, it's insane. And I was telling Chantel that there's a strike in Ontario or as we call it in Alberta, on terrible. <laughs> um, no, but it, it is really depressing and sad to listen to because the, the grocery store workers have gone on strike because they can't afford to buy the food at the stores that they work at. That's wild. And this comes at the same time that, um, so the major owner of a lot of grocery brands here in Canada is Loblaws. Yes. And they have posted record profits year over year for the past few years and continue to play the victim card of, oh, well, we only have like <laughs> 3% profit margins. We don't really make money. We're so in trouble. Our business is so precarious. Blah, 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 blah. As you post record profits. Wow. And whether it's, I don't know, because like you can dig into it and there's weird legal structures that a lot of businesses do where um, like this comes from the Hollywood world as well, where you create one business and that is the little LLC or corporation that is in charge of producing the film. So that could also be a brand like no name here in Canada. Mm hmm. Right. Or Superstore. Right. Mm -hmm. Like President's that's a brand choice. name. But these are all owned by a holding company, which is a larger conglomerate that owns all of those brands. So as you start to consolidate those small profits into your larger holding company and you post losses on your smaller brand. So, for example, in the film world, you know, let's use something like, I don't know, say men in black movies or something um then there's one company that is put up and they're the production company and they make that men in black movie and then they lose a bunch of money because they're expending all of their expenses to produce the movie so they're paying out the movie stars they're paying out whoever all the other crew the cinematographer the director the grip the props guy the makeup artist they're buying office space for their production office and blah 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 so like it's a big loss for yeah. that company but that company is owned by a holding company that's a bigger deal and those are the people who get the profits sorry you know? our cat likes <laughs> to scratch up with this box here so it's this weird accounting game that businesses like to play where they create little shell companies to do the dirty expense work. Um, but the profits get directed to a different company 
Sounds like an MLM. Oh, totally. <laughs> like, it's just games. And yeah. this to me is, um, like, I, I, it's part of why I have a bit of a soft spot for people who proclaim that we need to tear down the system and, like, remove everything. And I don't know that that's honestly the, uh, the right answer because throughout history we've done that over and over. Um, you know, like I just, I look at my own history growing up in the U S and that's like what we were taught, right? Those people were so sick of, you know, quote, taxation without representation. So we had a revolution and now we made this free country and I'm like, you're the same fucking thing you were now, like, like 200 years in the future. I think what you're we, exactly what you rebelled yeah, against. I think what we need to do is start as everybody's been saying or most people have been saying for a really long time is to invest in our farmers like our farmers markets yeah sometimes you pay a little bit more but you get better quality food and you support local farmers and we just recently did we talk about that bag of groceries that we got no we haven't talked about that yet okay so do you want to introduce that then we can um i would just like to add one point quickly on your farmer's market comment um i i love yes i love that idea and i just want to expand upon what's important about it which is that you form a personal connection with the person who is growing and producing your food like right now if i go to the store and i buy a tomato i don't know who the fuck grew that tomato probably italy <laughs> No, clearly not. It doesn't taste that good. Uh, no, uh, you're <laughs> right. Well, maybe because it's been frozen for months and it's now finally in Canada. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, I just I have no idea where this food came from versus, um, you know, like growing up, we would sometimes buy uh, half a cow from a butcher or something. Or I remember my uncle, even at one point, he'd had a cow and he raised it to slaughter. So, like, I had literally met this cow at his house. You know, we went over there for a big family reunion, and there's Rusty, the cow, out in the backyard. Oh, my God. How could you eat him then? I'm sorry. He was delicious. It was weird and He must have been happy, though. That's why he tasted best. He was kind of a dick. I'm not going to lie. No, but he was still probably (laughs) happy. He was still probably raised happy. Yes. I know my uncle treated him well. I have had... A happy cow, and uh, it tastes completely different. Totally different. And it cooks differently. Like, Mm -hmm. the way that the oils come out, the oils come out differently than mostly water that kind of comes out of meat, ground beef, is what I'm thinking about, mostly. But oil comes out of, like, good produced, not produced, good happy cows. I don't know. That's what- Treated. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think that's just what I remember from, and it's, yeah, it was the best tasting hamburger I've ever had, but I didn't meet that cow. And every time I see cows on Instagram that are just like super cute and loving life and people are hugging on them and giving them all this love, I'm like, how the fuck do you kill them after and eat them? Yeah. Because I feel bad and I don't even know this cow. Everything Sorry, dies. tangent. Yeah, but didn't die of natural causes. <laughs> irrelevant. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Watch a nature documentary for one minute. No, I can't. I don't know. It's, 
I don't I'm I don't know if it's right or wrong. Like even those concepts are just weird to me. But it's just the way that the world works right now. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyways, that's a whole <laughs> different know. deep dive into something that's complicated. But um <laughs> sorry, Luna fell off the couch. Our cat is just fucked. And um <laughs> Luna fell off the couch. <laughs> She tried to hold on. But anyhow, it's that personal connection to your food that I think is missing. Um, And missing from not only just food, I think so many layers of our society. Mm -hmm. You know, like we talked about even the other day with subscription models for things like um, TV, like your TV shows and your movies nowadays, where um, like you have minimal investment in that. Right. Like you pay eight, 12, 16 dollars a month, whatever it might be. You pay a flat monthly fee to access this mind boggling amount yeah. of movies and things that you can watch. And then we complain about not having enough because we watched everything that's there. Yeah. And my theory is that you just don't value it. No, we don't. And you forget about it so much quicker mm-hmm. as well. That's what I've been realizing. Like I've watched way too many things on all of these streaming apps and I don't remember what mm-hmm. the some stories are because I've watched too many. Yeah. And it's They're not important anymore. There's no it doesn't make you think anymore. Yeah. And it's part of the problem with making things too comfortable and too accessible. Too accessible. Right? Like it suddenly becomes less meaningful it becomes sort of an a standard expectation it becomes something that you know maybe at the beginning brought you some sense of joy or some different emotion and then that just quickly goes away because you don't have to put any more work into it and you're still expecting the same kind of result yeah you know like we were talking about um, artists who are not on social media, right? And how much more of a dedicated fan base they will have because the people who are fans of that artist are willing to put in the work to connect with them. They're willing to pay extra for that meet and greet or that VIP ticket package. They're willing to... Um, but they've also established money. themselves... <clears throat> yeah, but the artist had to put in a lot more work too. Yeah, yeah. Is the point. Like you got to put in that effort. You got to go sit through those meet and greets. You got to find alternative routes to get your work out, to get your message out. And that takes a lot of work, but it's rewarded because your fans are so much more dedicated because they also have to put in some extra effort too. Well, and, and it- when you meet them with it, right? If someone says, "Man, I can't just DM this person on Instagram. I have to like write them or I have to pay Buku extra money for this VIP meet and greet or whatever. Like, but when you provide, when you show up and you say, I'm here, you paid all this money. I'm happy to see you. I'm thankful you're a fan. Like, wow, what a different experience. Well, and it's like, we don't know how to do that now because of the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. everything's online. 
And we think that that's how we are going to be noticed when really we're just drowning in a sea of artists and other people and everything. And so, um, what you're talking about is just something that everybody else had to do already. Yeah. But why do we feel like it's so hard to do it now? Um, okay. Here's my theory on that. <laughs> I'm sorry. This cat is just crazy. She, um, my theory on why we think we have to do so much more to connect with people in today's world is because we bought into the lie that these tech and social media companies were promoting in their insistence that their technology can replace all of that effort that it takes to connect. But I think what we realize is that connection is an emotional thing. It requires an emotional investment on my part to connect with anybody. And it doesn't matter what the platform is. It doesn't matter what the technology is. It doesn't matter where that person is. It's going to require me making an emotional investment in another person. Side note. Yes. Something I learned from listening to serial killers about great side note about sympathy Mm. is I'm going to butcher this, but I'll I'll try to explain it the best I can where. So the, the um, example was this killer. um, He's like called the weeping killer or something, hmm. uh, the weeping man or whatever, because every time he'd kill somebody, he would call the police and tell them because he felt bad about it. And I guess with one of his um, victims. So I guess he felt bad for what he was doing, but he wanted to do it at the same time. And one of his victims, he had um, treated them with sympathy, but still killed them. And when you had said emotion, I was it just came up and I was like, oh, Oh, uh, what, what they, what the lady had said on, on the podcast, the host, um, the one that is not a psychologist, but has done a lot of research for the show. Um, (laughs) disclaimer, (laughs) um, she's, she said that sympathy is lack of emotion. Okay. Which I was trying to like wrap around in my brain because, you know, when you think of empathy or sympathy and I know those are totally different things. Yeah. You're sympathetic for people is you feel bad for them. When you're empathetic, you understand their bad feeling. Mm -hmm. So um, having sympathy for someone is actually having a lack of emotion Mm. for what it, what the sympathy is all about. It's, yeah. does that make sense? And I guess when I thought about it, I was like, oh, yeah, it it does make sense because when you think about sympathy, you feel bad for somebody. That could always be like, oh, sorry for you. That sucks. It is kind of lacking. It's totally. funny. So that's so sorry. So sidetracked. No, no, 
That's good. But it feels like everything that we talk about is sidetracked into something different. It all relates. Um, I'll, I'll continue that tangent with you because the first time I became aware of what empathy is. Empathy or sympathy? Because empathy, empathy is very different. Empathy. It was um, in reading Charles Cross biography of Kurt Cobain and when he describes Kurt's suicide um, again I'm just going off of Charles Cross book here so I have no other reference to if this is true or not but he says in his biography that Kurt had brought cleaning supplies up to the room where he shot himself in the head because he was cognizant that someone is going to come and find my body. There's going to be a mess here. Oh, man. And I, I am going that. to, like, leave everything ready here. Like, and and throughout his description of, like, and this is, again, sort of a romanticized version of Kurt's suicide. Like, because no one really knows what he was actually doing there. But he used the word empathy. He kept dropping it in, like... In between sentences, you know, he would describe something and say empathy and then describe something and say empathy, describe something and say empathy. And that made me look that up. And to me, that's how I have forever distinguished empathy from sympathy, right? Mm -hmm. Because empathy means you understand what it's like to be in someone's shoes. So even from that perspective of this man who's going up to this little room above his garage to blow his head off with a shotgun has empathy because he understands someone's going to come here. There's going to be a mess. I'm going to leave everything they need here to clean up this mess that I'm about to create. Yeah. Like that's empathy where you know what actions need to be taken or not taken. Like however it might play out in a scenario, but it's being able to be in someone's shoes and say, do this. Or don't do that. You know what? Or here's that thing I know you need that you don't have. You know like, how they feel. Mm -hmm. you, 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 it's, it's, um, it's like a spiritual thing where you can tap into other, how other people feel. Yeah. And I feel, and I remember when I was younger being, ha having more control about, about that. Mm. I feel like as I got older, as with anything, my abilities, powers, in a way, um, have dwindled, have been numbed by life. Yeah. Sad. It's it's something that I want to get back to, but that's like a whole plan of meditating and all that shit. But, yeah. Yeah. And that's why I really appreciate that distinction of... And I think can really understand it because from when I see things played out where people say, you have my sympathy, you know, I'm like, sympathy is all words. Well, and now when you say it's it like that, action. it sounds like shit. Oh, you have my sympathy. Oh, oh, I have your sympathy. Cool. What the fuck am I going to do with that? You actually don't care. Yeah. Sympathy. You have you 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 don't feel it's like being talked down to in a way. Yeah. It's like going to the grocery store, <laughs> buying a four dollar head of lettuce. And then you say, I don't have $4 and they okay. go, 
you have my sympathy, but it'll be four dollars. <laughs> come back to you know, the, like- <laughs> come back to that bag then, because the reason why I brought that bag up, and I'll just say this is that yeah, romaine lettuce lettuce period was so expensive for so long, and Still tiny. Is. Yes, at the grocery stores, tiny bundles. But when we purchased this bag, which I'm going to let you explain, we got the biggest head of lettuce that we still have. We have like three heads of lettuce. It was a big one that came in, though. Or was it two? I like, don't know. It was a big one. I remember it being We just massive. have so much lettuce. And I'm like, where did all this come from? We get a lot of this. From? Yeah. But anyways. Yeah. So the other part of the problem that I have discovered through a little bit of internet sleuthing. Um, there's a company, Peco Produce. I discovered it's pronounced Peku from okay. their Instagram. <laughs> um, they have some funny interviews with people from their company too, where they ask them to like talk into a leak instead of oh a microphone. Oh my, that's so cool. <laughs> I hilarious. love that. <laughs> Anyhow, um, what it. they do is, so within Canada, you know, all these farmers across Canada, they grow all of this kind of produce and it gets sent off. Um, but there's about, oh, okay, I don't remember the exact number, but I know it's between 40 to 60% of all the produce that's grown in Canada gets rejected by a lot of the major grocers because it doesn't look good enough. May I interject? Yes. Where are these groceries coming from? Straight from the farmer? Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're not being put. Oh, okay, cool. That makes me feel better. Yeah, because the it's farmer local. essentially takes it to sell to like Loblaws and say, here. Nice. Here is all of the romaine lettuce that I grew. How much would you like? And they say, mm, only about, you know, 40% of this, 30% of this looks good. So I we're only going to take that amount of it. Can't believe there are $4 plus head of lettuces at grocery stores and they turned down that i'm just gonna say that one head of lettuce we got that massive one great condition yeah how could you turn that away oh probably because it was big and they can't sell it for four dollars yeah that's insane i don't know what their criteria is i don't know but it sounds whacked um so anyhow basically there's no great alternative market for a lot of these farmers. So anything that doesn't get accepted by the major grocers gets composted or like thrown out or yeah. I don't know, maybe they turn it into something useful for animal feed or something. Like I hope there's something more useful, but the point is it doesn't really make it to human consumption. Mm-hmm. And especially at a time when Fucking the employees of the grocery store can't afford food like and you're throwing away the majority of what's being offered to you because it doesn't look pretty. We should tell those grocery store grocery store employees to buy from Peco. <laughs> I know. Fuck. Um, so anyhow, what Peco does is they rescue this produce and they put them in bags and they'll deliver them to your door within uh, like Vancouver and Calgary. For $35. The one downside, you don't know what you're getting. So it's kind of this mystery bag of produce that shows up. So we still have to supplement a little bit of our groceries depending on what we want to make or eat. And and again, I will say this is completely just for taste. Like 
we could just eat all of that and do it that way. Well, let's say but, our last bag. We did we even go buy any veggies after that? Besides the fact that we knew we were leave, we're leaving for a week, so no. we don't need groceries. So we made what we had work. We actually had an abundance of things that we just couldn't get through. But if we had more time, we could. Yeah. You make what you're getting work. And if you and we actually have tomato plants, so we're getting our tomatoes from we eat a lot of tomatoes. So we're getting our tomatoes from our tomatoes. plants. Um, but when you have when you get like some fruit and some veggies already for this price and for a good cause. And if you're going if you're gonna um what we do is we as soon as we get it, we go through everything and we repackage everything so it is gonna last longer or last as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And um Oh my god, did I seriously just jump my fucking track of train thoughts? <laughs> oh my god. Anyways. You get more. Yeah, so we prep everything and <laughs> um my thought was this is also where it's important to have cooking skills and knowledge. Because or not, because you can look at, okay, so I'm so, so, so mm-hmm. sorry, because I get mad at you for jumping in. Jump but in. you're the one that has the cooking skills and knowledge. I look up recipes. So if I have a certain ingredient, I will look up a recipe where I can use that ingredient. So you don't need to have the skills. You just need to look up a recipe with that ingredient. You still need some skills. Yeah. <laughs> but... um. Because I, I, I just see in in today's world with a lot of who I look out at, and I see people who have no idea how to even boil water. Like, there's so much inept abilities. Who doesn't know how to boil water? I'm just. It's exaggerating. <laughs> <laughs> it's exaggerating. But yeah. that's that's what I mean. You know, like I, when people I, say not that, that, that person can't cook, they would burn water. You know, like it's <laughs> the same kind of a, a metaphor in a different way where I think we can take for granted how um, even the ability to say, I have this thing. Let me look up a recipe and follow it. There are so many people who can't even do that. And. I see that as a bigger failure culturally, you know, in circling back to this subscription model of things, I'm like, all you're doing is creating more and more dependency, mm-hmm. right? Where now you have people who they, they can't afford food. They have to order everything out. The people who are working at the restaurants can't afford to live. So then when the people working at the restaurants quit and they stop making the food, the people who don't know how to cook won't be able to eat and survive. Um, Let them so die. like, you know, I'm like, it's just this massive implosion. <laughs> and I'm like, mm-hmm. it's terrible. Like, you should never want your society to get even close to that. What do they call that? Like, Natural selection? <laughs> I mean, yes, but also. I'm making jokes. Sad. Yes. <laughs> I know. We'll laugh at it. But it's. 
you know, it's one of those things you laugh at, but when it actually happens, you're like, damn. But back to That's the really bag. Sad. Back to the bag, though. So we have gotten it twice now. <clears throat> yes. And what I really love is that this bag is full of green stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, most and of orange. the time. Green and orange. We got a lot of carrots in the last one. Oh, okay. We got <laughs> we got a shit ton of carrots and a shit ton of poblano peppers and a shit ton of dill. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what? We, we you know what would actually be worth it. If we split with somebody. Maybe. With, Who when, wants to split some produce? With, cer- with certain things like that, when there's so an abundance that we cannot even get through. Like, we can literally not get. We mm-hmm. can, we had to freeze some things, which is fine. But then it, you can only use it for certain recipes then, you know, mm-hmm. when you freeze stuff. But um, but we got, we got like, and all this stuff looks so good. That I'm surprised that it never, like, we got a big thing of blueberries, Mm -hmm. a huge thing of blueberries blueberries. in a bag that was $35. Do you know how much that would have been Mm -hmm. for just the blueberries? And what's even sadder is that these were blueberries that didn't make it to market, so to say. And it's like, wild because they were good. You were going to be paying, what, eight, nine dollars for that tray of blueberries? For a small one. And we got one of those. I don't even know the size. I'm sorry. I can't. I didn't. I don't remember what. Oh, it right. Was. It was a smaller one. Um, but for small ones. Yeah. They're yeah, what were like, they're like 500 grams, I think. Something like that. The small ones. Yeah. Yeah. 450. They're usually in the 454 size. Yeah. But. The one that we got was that, like, I, I don't know what the size is when they get in the big ones. Mm, right. I think it's double. I think it's like and a I kilogram. I only picked out a couple of moldy blueberries. A yeah. couple. I had to pick off more stems than I had to throw away blueberries. Yeah. Because when you unpack this bag, you're like, man, for $35. Like, I went to the store today and we bought, I bought, what, three bags of chips, two pieces. <laughs> Two of the rest, Ristorante pizzas. <laughs> and um shout out to and Brita. a pack of uh bubblies, and that was thirty dollars. Wild. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's nuts. So for the price of that nonsense that I bought, which don't judge my grocery purchases, yeah, there were reasons. Most of it logic, wasn't for us. But <laughs> but we like restaurant. I like restaurant. But to think yeah, like what is thirty dollars of produce today's oh. world? You know, I'm like it's six oh my heads God. of romaine Wait, lettuce. What we wanted to do was, we'll do this for the next bag. Um, we did take a video on un- unveiling that for the first bag, but I think let's scrap that. Let's do one. <gasps> we should do a price check. This is what I comparison. mean. Yes, we should. We should open Dope. that and do a video there. But then we should also go to the grocery store and vi- record ourselves comparing size and uh, price. You're a genius. Paradinks. I love it. Yeah, that would be fun. Paragenuses. <laughs> <laughs> I barely have a vocabulary over here, but yes. <laughs> this is where my street smarts come in. <laughs> hey, if it works, don't question it. Yeah, yeah. but I love that. Let's do I'm that. I'm so glad that you found that because... 
we keep talking about doing better. And the nice thing about that too is um, it's all in this one bag and nothing's really packaged inside. The dill was in a plastic bag because it was a lot. And of course, like herbs kind of have to package it. And then the blueberries couldn't just throw a fucking ton of blueberries in the bag. But everything else is just in there loose, mm-hmm. which I like because then you end up not having to have all those little tiny bags. Fuck, I hate those plastic bags. And then if you um, prep them to store properly, you're using what we use is our glass containers. And uh, yeah, so it also works towards our no or, or like less waste. Yeah. And you can return the bag. And if you think your recycling is minimizing your waste. Just look up what the recycling companies actually do. That. I don't want to talk about that because I <laughs> am so mad. It's appalling how much we're lied to. But anyhow, on that great note, that sounds like an end. Sounds good to me. All right. Thanks. Thanks for Check listening. Check out Peco Produce. Um, learn to cook. <laughs> Thanks for listening to all sorts of random shit. This is the (laughs) parenting. We're full of shit. All right. See you next week. Bye.